When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You may wish to adjust the dial. You are currently tuned into the wrong station. Bad winter. Very bad. A new wave of virus, a new wave of lockdowns, coming after Christmas when the damage was already done. January, February in the north. Bad times a year at the best of times. But worse, far worse when you're sealed in, knowing just outside your walls that the dead are piling up like dry flowers in the compost heap. The weather was worse than normal. After half a dozen mild winters, the cold came back that year, as bad as I could ever remember. Down past twenty below for weeks on end, and always gray. Never a break to that gray, dark gray. Darker than any winter I remember. You could wake up at ten and find the sun had barely risen. You could go to bed at six, for the night was already dark as smothering cloth. A bad time to be out of work. I dropped out. Dropped out of the world, dropped out of touch. Gone were the days when I called my friends. What was there to talk about? Gone were the days when I called my family. They never picked up the phone. I stayed in. I had enough to live off from my last contract for a while. I hunkered down. The wind outside blew colder and the snows piled up. It was too hot in my little apartment. Too bitter cold outside. I dropped my days down the computer screen like pennies into a well, and I never heard the splash of water at the bottom. It was a bad winter to be in that place. It was the best I could afford after my roommate moved out from the old unit. It was still 300 more per month than I could comfortably handle, and it was small. A nook for the bed, a little kitchen, a bathroom, and that was all. There was a little upper corner window out onto a brick wall where the mortar was full of hoarfrost. I had to kick away the snow outside it every day, or the snow blewed out the last few bits of light. The walls of this basement suite were all painted lead and gray. Landlord didn't want them changed. I was too listless to change them. And the days dropped, dropped, dropped. 
January lasted several months. On the 64th day of the month, I found a cockroach on the bathroom floor. Not one of the little ones, the quick brown ones dancing in the rotten wood at your local bar. No, this was a black knight, a fast beast in armor, larger than your big toe, with long, sharp antenna bending back like goat's horns. I went to the kitchen for bleach cream. You can't just squish them, you know. They're full of eggs, the male and females both alike, and so if you smash them with a shoe, then more and more spring up until one morning you're lying in your bed and the bedsheets come alive. So you have to use bleach cream, Vim or nearest possible equivalent. You spray them with it, and it slows them down for long enough that the cleansing power gets between the joints and does them in. At the last, you can see a dark current spurred amidst the bleach as they shit their eggs and die. But the bleach cleans up nice, and gets it clean, clean as the snow whipping past outside. I was too slow that time. I got back into the bathroom just in time to see the roach penetrating its way between two tiles behind the toilet. I bent and shone my phone light through the crack, shuddering as I expected thousands and thousands more of them to come boiling out at me, clattering the silence, their bodies cold and heavy across my skin as they surged at my screaming mouth, my nose and eyes, and poured into me tasting of sour, wet sewage and filling my stomach until it burst and I died there on the floor, roaches flowing in and out of my ruptured holes, leaving pinprick red footprints all across the floor. But nothing of the sort happened. All that happened was that the cold white light slid into the darkness, killing a sliver of it. There was a dark, damp space back there, larger than I might have thought, some sort of crawl space on the other side of the basement. I got up and washed my hands. It had been a while since I mopped the bathroom floor and there was a greasy feeling to the tiles. I considered going to the hardware store and getting some caulking for the hole, but I was too tired. <clears throat> I lay on the couch and watched something, I don't remember what. That night I considered texting Bahar. We'd been seeing each other a little before everything went to shit and afterwards we tried to do the video thing for a while. Both of us felt awkward about the sexual aspect. The pillow talk was terrible. Brief. Forced. And after that, you closed your laptop and were completely alone in the gloom, lying in a cold, damp spot on the sheets. But that evening, I was feeling so alone that I almost texted her anyway. It was only when I pulled up her contact and read our last, terse, awkward exchange that the futility of it overflowed me. We didn't even like each other anyway. <laughs> what was the point? And so that night I got drunk alone instead. The first time I've ever done that. Around midnight, maybe, I passed out. Slept badly. My dreams were full of roaches, crawling in and out of my navel, penetrating, leaving inky currents of their eggs. The next morning when I woke up, bleary, to spray dark piss into the toilet-stained bowl, there was another roach in the bathroom, or else the same one all over again. This time I had the cleaner close to hand, and I sprayed the creature, practiced, merciless. The thick spray of cream clobbered it off its feet, and when it steadied itself and charged through the other side of the goop, I hit it a second time. 
It dragged itself forward another few inches and collapsed. A little spurt of black fluid erupted from its abdomen to mingle and gray in the pure white cleaner. I stood there looking at it for a few minutes, trying to work up the energy to clean up the carcass and piss drops that had scattered across the floor. But I was too tired, so I left the body where it lay. While I'd slept, a blizzard had blown in, and my apartment's one window was all snowed up and blocked. Too much snow to kick away, and I was too tired to go to the hardware store for a shovel. So... Instead, I left through my apartment's one door and wandered around to the unfinished half of the basement, just for the sake of a change of scenery. This, of course, was full of all my landlord's junk. I think it had been a second apartment once, but everything down there had been gutted between then and now. Maybe it was supposed to be renovated, but money had run out. And so now it was storage space, full of dust-choked linens, broken chairs, and bone china from someone dead. Too precious to be thrown away, too old and ugly to be used. I shouldered my way through the junk, not especially bothered if something broke. There was nothing in that basement that anyone gave a shit about, and even if there was, it would take years for any broken thing to be discovered. It was a place of forgotten things, and I felt a certain sad kinship with those rolled-up carpets, those boxes of crumbling books. This world had no use for them anymore except maybe as scrap to be sold. At about where my bathroom was on the other side of the basement, the wall zigzagged out, and there was a hole in the drywall close to the floor, as if someone had cut in to install some plumbing, but had never actually gotten around to that part of the job. Maybe they had been too tired. Intrigued by this little mystery, I climbed down on all fours and shone my phone inside. There was a space in there, dark, a bit damp, with some sweating pipes and wires that a good electrician probably wouldn't have put in there, but a decently sized space. You could sit in there if you wanted, and it didn't seem especially gross either for all that I'd expected dripping white egg sacs filled with roach. Actually, with the exception of some long dry insect husks, it was perfectly habitable. I'd even go so far as to say there was something appealing about the space. It looked dark, safe and contained, and it was cool. Pleasantly cool, when the rest of the building was about 38 Celsius, and outside 26 below. I got down on all fours and crawled inside. It was nice. I fit in there nicely, and for all that it was nothing but a nook... It felt less claustrophobic than my own sweltering little apartment. I could see a little bright line of light from the crack in my bathroom wall, and for some reason, being able to see into my own apartment from there was delightful. It was like a little secret. Having a little secret, I could look into the other space without anybody knowing. It was my apartment, sure, but I could imagine it belonged to someone else. Someone else that I could... Watch without them ever guessing. The thought gave me a little shiver. I chuckled. I chuckled. With my eyes adjusting to the dark, I found that the nook was connected with a crawl space between the walls, 
angling downwards, and the air in that direction felt even more pleasant and cool. And so, leading with the light on my phone, I crawled down the passage on hands and knees, away from the heat, about eight or ten steps down until the crawl space opened up. This opening, I wasn't exactly sure what it was. It was a space, dark and wooden, old. The building I lived in was from the twenties or thereabouts, and this space seemed at least as old as that. Its walls and floor were dry, splintery slats of wood. There was a wide, flat piece of stone set into the floor along one wall, like a flagstone outside of somebody's front door. There were little pictures painted on it with what looked like old house paint. The paint was more than half flaked away with age, and the pictures weren't that well drawn to begin with. Their artistic style was rough, childish. But the images were simple enough that their outlines were still easy to make out. A cup, a sheaf of wheat, a bird. Some kid's little hidey hole, maybe, from back in the day. Well, it was a nice spot. I could see why a little kid would crawl down here to hide from the world above. It was safe, it was cool. It was away from everything. You understand me? Even though it was confined space, I found that it felt freeing to be down there. For a kid, there was no school, no parents, no rules down there. It was just you and the darkness in a place that only you knew about. And that made you special. I turned off the light on my phone and sat there in utter blackness, in the cool hidden from the pressures of the world. There were no draining bank accounts down there, no stalled careers, no worlds spinning out into madness and loss. There was nothing. And that was a relief. Down there it was safe, contained, cool, empty. That evening, after wasting another day online, I decided to reach out to my friend Michael. Surprisingly, he texted back after a few minutes. Hey man, what's up? Hey, found something cool today. It's this, like, crawl space under my apartment. Oh, word. Yeah, it's like a free bonus room to the apartment. They should probably charge like an extra 300 a month for it. Lol. So, how you doing, man? What's new? In response... Three dots, three dots, three dots, nothing. I waited a few minutes to see if he'd respond. He didn't. At loose ends, I returned to the hole and sat in darkness again, drinking beer and listening to music on my phone's tinny little speaker. On a whim, I poured some of my cup out onto the stone. Libations for thee! I chuckled. I chuckled. It was nice to make a joke. That night I slept badly. In my dream, I was lurking in the space behind my bathroom wall, watching through the crack in the tile. But in my dream, it wasn't my bathroom, but Bahar's. And as I watched her bathe, the roaches rushed out past me and I had to look away as they swarmed up the walls of the tub toward her.
The next morning, I, I woke with disgust to find my sheets crusted in a second day of blizzard on the weather app. I couldn't check the weather myself. The window was snowed up and the snow frozen solid. No natural light would enter my apartment until the spring. I wandered out of my door and up the stairs, which were the back stairs of the building I lived in. Looking out the wire mesh glass of the back door, I could see the walk was buried three feet deep in snow. The streets would be just as bad. And it was cold. At least twenty below again. No laundromat today, then. No hardware store. I slouched back down to my unit and found that I couldn't stand the thought of eating breakfast in that sweltering kitchenette alone again. And so I made toast and wandered down the hole to eat in the dark. An interesting side note here, when I went to the bathroom that morning, the body of the roach was gone. Maybe it had survived after all. Maybe another roach had come and eaten it whole. Down in the dark, it was nice and cool. The toast was stale, and I got crumbs all over myself in the stone, but I wasn't too bothered about it. The roaches would take care of the crumbs. I noticed that the space was bigger and nicer than it had seemed the day before, large enough for me to sit up straight in, and walled and floored with black, cool, and pleasing tile. It smelt yeasty in a satisfying way. I spent most of the day down there, listening to music, drifting in and out of sleep, and humming along, even as I noticed my phone was dead and the music I was humming along to was in my own head. Another day dropped past. Another day dropped past. That night I slept badly, or maybe it was the night after. I dreamed I went for a walk in the snow, dragging crusted sheets behind me, and all the buildings everywhere were empty, open to the winter's wind. Everybody in the city had up and left in the night, leaving me behind. I dug down into a snowdrift and found a laptop screen. I climbed through it into Bahar's bedroom, and there I made love with a giant roach. After the roach and I had finished in each other, I went to Bahar's washroom, which was my washroom, and found her weeping naked in the tub. Michael was sitting on the tub's edge, trying to comfort her, but she would not be consoled. It was clear to see why. Her bathwater was full of dead birds. As I looked on, the roach entered the washroom behind me. It climbed into the tub beside Bihar and started eating the birds, each one crunching between its mandibles, sending out a little burst of blood into the pinkened water. When I awoke, there was a bird in the apartment. I don't know how it got there. To this day, I don't know how it got there. Sometimes a bird just finds a way into a place. Somehow it had gotten into mine. Maybe the blizzard had driven it into a crack in the outer wall, and it had come through a crack into mine. The poor thing was in a panic, flapping back and forth across the apartment, bashing up against the walls and cabinets, making panicked trilling noise yelling in disgust at the feathers and bird shit on the air, I flung my arms over my head and ran for the door to my apartment. The bird shot past me as I opened the door and whipped up the stairs. A heartbeat later, there came a dull and horrid sound. The bird had flown headlong into the glass window of the back door. 
As I bounded up the stairs after it, I found it twitching on the doormat with a broken neck. Not knowing what to do, I stared dumbly for a long, long time until it died. It was snowing outside. A bird in the house, that was supposed to be a bad omen, foretelling death. And the bird itself had died. Prophecy and execution, all in one. I'm going to take you down into the hole, my little guy. I said this aloud, to the dead bird. For a moment, the sound of my own words was alien to my ears, and my head whipped around, trying to locate the speaker. But after a second's panic, I realized... It was my voice. It was just that my own voice sounded strange to me because I hadn't spoken to a human being in days at least, in several days. I cupped the dead bird in my hands, and its cool gray-brown feathers were slightly damp and slightly greasy to the touch. There was a bit of blood that made me cringe. I'm going to take you down into the hole, my little guy. I said it again, just just to make sure I said it. My phone rang as I reached the bottom of the stairs. Shifting the bird to one hand, I pulled it out. The name on the screen read, Mom. My thumb hovered over the answer button. But I was torn. It had been so long since I'd spoken to someone. But I had to take this bird down into the hole. I had to take this bird down into the hole. I stood there for a long moment, weighing my priorities while the phone rang and rang. At last, the ringing stopped. I waited for a moment to see if it would ring again. It didn't. I nodded to myself and pocketed the phone. I stepped into the unfinished basement. Now that I was fully underground, my phone would not ring again. I climbed into the hole pausing for a moment to look through the crack and watch Bahar bathe. Her hair was shiny and black from the water, falling down across her shoulders like twin antenna. She didn't know that I was there, holding a dead bird in both of my hands. It was funny to me. It was a funny little secret, and it made me special. I chuckled. I chuckled. It was very fun to joke. Further down, I found the space with the stone, and was surprised to find that it was roomier than it had been the day before. Or the day before. Or the day before. Or the day before. Or the day before. The ceiling was wide and low. High enough that I could almost stand, but low enough compared to the wideness of a room that it felt very low and oppressive. The floor was made from a nice black glass, pleasantly cool, and the distant black glass walls were spaced with nice little step-arched alcoves, each with little black glass people curled in them. I trundled over to the painted stone, which was unchanged, and placed the bird down upon it. There was a sense of lightness as the ceiling lifted and a black space soared and stretched above me up to the utmost heights. 
A damp and cool wind blew, soothing the prickles of sweat across my forehead. It was nice down here. It came. All of a sudden, it was squatting in the dark above me, a dark figure only hinted at by a sense of weight in the utter darkness. A muscular form, squatting in the night, an armored head with great, black, back-swept antenna, wet and good, a virile presence in the dark, with black and shining eyes. Between its legs, the black eggs were dripping from its member. My child, it asked, do you need a god? I looked up toward it. Yes. The Wrong Station is made possible with the generous support of our listeners on Patreon. Patrons can listen to The Wrong Station ad-free, as well as get access to bonus episodes, discussions, and more. This week's episode, Do You Need? Do You Need? was written by Alexander Saxton and performed by Anthony Botello. Thank you to Davis A., Churlington B.'s Coat, and a very special thanks to Michael Tourville for helping us keep the lights, well, off. You can also support us by leaving a rating and review on iTunes, or wherever it is you listen to The Wrong Station. The Wrong Station is co-produced by Alexander Saxton, Anthony Botello, and Jacob Duarte Spiel, with music composed and performed on the piano by Elan Citrin, and arranged for the viola and performed by Viola Schmidt. You can follow The Wrong Station on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and email us at therongstation at gmail.com. And until next time, thank you for listening. (laughs) ¶¶